Thank you for being here today. If you're visiting, as always, we invite you to come back. Appreciate so much your presence today. It's a beautiful day. And we are grateful for the opportunity to be together to worship God in spirit and truth. Thank you to Jared for preaching in my absence last week. Jared always does a great job. I very much appreciate him and Brother Billy and Jace, Chase and all those that fill in and labor in many, many capacities. And so we want them to know how much we appreciate them. Thank you again for being here. We're going to be looking today at Psalm 127. I invite you to turn with me to that passage. And I want to talk for a minute or two today about the cure for the crisis in the 21st century. We have a number of crises going on in the land that we love. Economically, we have a tremendous crisis on hand, over $30 trillion in debt. That's a crisis. We have a border crisis. Thousands upon thousands, if not millions, of illegal immigrants crossing our borders on a daily basis, many bringing illegal drugs across our borders. That's a crisis. We have a drug problem in this nation, a problem that has existed for many, many decades. It's a real crisis, isn't it? What I want to talk about today is a crisis that may not be as familiar to some, but I think nonetheless it is a crisis. It has to do with the modern home and where the home stands today. The psalmist was right many years ago when he said, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. What I would like to do for the next few minutes is maybe just talk about the cure for the crisis that we're facing in the home today. What I'm going to be talking about is not anything new. I'm not trying to in any way reinvent the wheel. But these are simply fundamental principles that I believe will help us be what we ought to be in the home and thereby enjoy the great blessings of Almighty God. If I were to ask you today, do you want God's blessings on your home? I have no doubt every single person would say, absolutely. We all want to be blessed, don't we? We all want to have a home where... Well, we all want to have a home where we can say it's a blessing. It's a blessing to be a part of. So with that in mind, let me just call attention to some principles that I think will help us. Number one, the cure for this crisis begins with the right foundation. In many ways, one of the reasons why the home today is not what it ought to be is because we have, by and large, chosen to build on what I would call faulty foundations. Now, if you want to have a home that is well-structured, and I'm talking about a physical home, a house, you've got to make sure that you have a solid foundation, don't you? There have been any number of people that have built a home, a house, only to realize later that the foundation was faulty. And so they have lots of problems. It takes a lot of money to correct that problem. Well, here's what the psalmist said. And listen, the psalmist, writing by inspiration, knew exactly what he was talking about. 
And he said, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. So where does it begin? Here's where it begins. It begins with husbands and wives determining at the onset of marriage that their home is going to be founded upon the Lord. Right off the bat. Now you remember in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus said that for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. So number one, for the husband and wife to set some boundaries and to say that once that knot is tied, our home is going to be built or founded upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount? When He said, Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them shall be like a wise man that built his house upon the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not. Why? Because it was founded upon the rock. Could I encourage us today to build our home on the rock of Christ? To build our home on the right foundation? That means that God is at the apex of everything that we do. He is central to our home life. Now, this is going to take the husband, the man, stepping up and being the spiritual leader that God so designed. Do you remember Joshua in the long ago? When Joshua had the courage and the wisdom to say in chapter 24, verse 15, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God needs strong husbands, strong fathers, who have the wisdom and the ability to say, you know what, we're going to build our home on the Lord. Everything that we do is going to be based upon a thus saith the Lord. That's how we're going to start. Now that's not to say that we're not going to have problems and trials and tribulations. Listen, if you live long enough, I don't care how good a person you are, I don't care, I don't care how well-intentioned you are, you're going to have problems. That's just life, isn't it? There are always peaks and valleys, highs and lows, joys and frustrations. But the bottom line is, the Lord is central to everything that we're doing. Now Jesus said, whoever hears these things of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man that built his house upon the sand. He said, the rains descended, the floods came, beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall thereof. A lot of homes in our nation today being built upon faulty sands. The faulty sands of materialism, money, worldliness, and a host of other things. So what I want to suggest is, first and foremost, fundamentally, we've got to build our homes on the Lord. He has to be the foundation. Everything has to be built upon Him. Think about this for a minute. You remember in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul draws an analogy between the relationship existing between a husband and wife and Christ and the church. Who's the foundation of the church? Christ is, isn't he? Didn't Paul say other foundation has other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus? 
Jesus is the foundation, the chief cornerstone of the church. And if our homes are going to be what they ought to be, the foundation needs to be the Lord. And that involves making the church an integral part of life. Which leads me to a second thought. The second principle. We need to found our homes on faith. Are you a person of faith? Appreciate Jared's lesson last week when he talked about making your faith your own. I can't live on my parents' faith. But rather, I have to take possession of my faith, just as you do. It is an individual thing, isn't it? Now I want you to go back and think for a moment or two about what the law said in Deuteronomy chapter 6. First and foremost, to understand that as a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, we have to possess a level of faith, don't we? Without faith, it's impossible to be well-pleasing to Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So I want to be a person of faith. I want my marriage to be a marriage that is kept together by faith. I want my home to be a home of faith, don't you? So back in the law, back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, remember what Moses said? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And he said, you shall teach them diligently to your children. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. All right, Moses, what are you saying? Moses is saying that parents have to instill in the lives of their young people, their children, a measure of faith. In other words, they have to pass it on. My goal, my job as a parent is to take what I have learned, the faith that I have, and pass it on to the next generation. Hopefully and prayerfully, the next generation will then pass it on to the next generation and so forth. So now turn, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And there we read about Timothy's mother and grandmother. Do you remember what was said about the mother and grandmother of Timothy? Timothy was Paul's son in the faith. And Paul called to remembrance the genuine faith, he said, that dwelt in Timothy. But it first dwelt in his grandmother, Lois, and then in his mother, Eunice, and then he said, and I am persuaded is in you also. So you got three generations of people there, a grandmother, a mother, and a son. And that faith has been passed down the line. So as children, what do we have to do? We have to take the principles that we learn. We have to take the faith that we have been taught by our parents and make that faith our own, don't we? Now listen to what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He said, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation, which is in Christ Jesus. Now please listen very carefully. Your child can go to heaven without having a college degree. Did you know that? Your child can go to heaven without becoming a stellar football player, baseball player, without being some renowned athlete. 
But your child cannot go to heaven without being a Christian. That's fundamental. And the Apostle Paul said that Timothy had been taught as an infant the Holy Scriptures. So I want to ask you as a parent, when you bring your children to Bible class, what's the purpose of that? When you sit down with your children at night and open the Word of God and have a devotional, and you read and talk about certain verses and explain to them the meaning of these verses, what's the point of all that? The point is you're trying to instill in them a measure of faith. And your hope, your prayer, your aim is that they'll take what they learn and they will make it their own faith. And listen, if our children become well-equipped in the Word of God and if they understand these vital principles, are they going to be successful or will they be a failure in life? From God's side of the ledger, they're going to be a success, aren't they? And really, when it's all said and done, the only thing that matters is, have I been pleasing to Almighty God? Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 8 and about verse 29? He said, I always do those things that please Him. That is, His life was lived in compliance to the will of the Father. So what's the point? The point is to develop my own faith, to pass that faith along, so that my children, your children, will learn the value of trying to please God in life. To live to please the Father. So our children have to become people of faith, just like we have to be people of faith. One day, God's going to hold all of us accountable for how we've lived on planet Earth. And you think about one day your children, the very bone of your bones and flesh of your flesh, they're going to stand before the same God that you stand before. They're going to be judged by the same word that you'll be judged by. What's the Lord going to say to your children or grandchildren or possibly even your great-grandchildren? What will the Lord say to you? Now you tell me, is it important that we have that we have built our home on the Lord? Yes. Do we have to have the right foundation? Absolutely. Do we have to be people of faith and then take that faith and pass it on? Yes. Certainly. There is a third thought I want to share with you. And that is, we have to become people who are focused in this life focused on doing what's right and having the right motivation for what we do, for striving to the best of our ability to live in a world that is filled with darkness. Do you remember what John said in 1 John 5, 19? John said, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Well, who would that be? Well, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that the devil is the God of this age, the God of this world. And listen to what he said. He has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Here's what the devil's intentions are. The devil is intent on destroying your faith and the faith of your children. The devil is intent on robbing you of your faith and the faith of your children. So you've got to live a focused life. 
What is the most important thing to you in this life? What's number one in your life? I mean, if you were to just boil it all down and say, okay, this is my one aim in life, what would that be? Listen to what Jesus said. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. What then, Lord, are you saying ought to be number one in my life? It ought to be the kingdom and the Lord. If it's not the kingdom and the Lord, something is amiss in your life and in the life of your family. When Jesus said, seek first, that means before anything else. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul talked about the outward man perishing, the inward man being renewed day by day. And you remember he said, we look not at the things which are seen, but rather at the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. How are you looking at life? There are a lot of folks in our world today, they're looking at life through the lens of the world. And the world is pushing their buttons and leading them. Do you remember what Jesus said in John chapter 3? Jesus said, light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. We've got to get our thinking right if we want to go to heaven. And we've got to try to the best of our ability to live a focused life in Christ Jesus. Can our children tell whether or not we bought into the kingdom of God? Can our children tell whether or not the Lord means everything to us? Can they tell whether or not we're really what we claim to be? You know, sometimes we say one thing and do another, don't we? Didn't Jesus chide the scribes and Pharisees in the long ago? He said, because they say and do not. Now, we may talk about putting the Lord first, but the question is, do our actions match up with our profession. Problem is sometimes our profession and practice are not on the same plane. Here's what Paul said, Philippians chapter 3. Our citizenship is in heaven, whence also we wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a citizen of the United States of America. More importantly, I am a citizen in the kingdom of Almighty God. And my goal is to look for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Listen to what Paul said in Colossians 3. He said, If then you be risen with Christ, listen to him, seek those things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now listen to him. Set your mind, set your affection on things above and not on things which are on this earth. If you have to get up on Sunday morning and ask the question, are we going to services today, something's not right. If you get up on Sunday morning and you can't make a decision as to whether or not you're coming to Bible study, something is amiss. If you've got to decide Sunday night whether or not you're coming back, something is amiss. Same thing true with Wednesday night. And listen. We can come up with any and every excuse that we want to as to why we can't come to services. Well, I'm too tired. Or, I just don't feel that good. 
Well, you could, we can have any number of excuses. The bottom line is we do what we want to do. And the question is, how badly do we want to be in the presence of God and with the people of God? That's the key. You can stay home all you want. That's your prerogative. But I can tell you this. If you come up with any number of reasons as to why you can't come to Bible study and worship on a regular basis, if you don't think your children don't see through that, then i got land to sell you in the middle of the ocean. They can see it. They can see it as plain as day. And thank you to those of you that are here every time the doors are open. And thank you that are trying, thank you to those of you that are trying to make a difference in the lives of your children. And shame on you if you're here today and you're not living as you ought to be living. If you're a mother, father, husband, or wife and you're not plugged in and you're not living as you ought to live, you need to understand something. You are on thin, thin ice. And that ice will break. And here's the bottom line. You'll be lost and potentially your children will be lost. Is that what you want? Wouldn't it be terrible to stand before God? And here you are before the throne of Almighty God and you're standing before Him giving an account of your life and right behind you are those little ones that you brought up in this world. And God says to you, well done. Then He turns to your son or daughter and says, depart from me, you cursed. Whose fault was that? Might be your fault. Might be your fault because you weren't what you should have been as a mother or father, husband or wife. That's sobering, isn't it? You know, sometimes we need to take the gloves off and just get down to brass tacks. You'll be very honest. Sometimes in the body of Christ, we do a better job playing church than being church. That's a problem. And let me tell you what, you will not go to heaven playing church. Do you understand what I'm saying? You won't get there. Not one chance. You've got to buy in and you've got to be focused in this life. You can allow the things of this world to distract and distort reality. You can get caught up in the mundane things of this world and get so busy making a living you forget about what's really important in life. A hundred years from now, the home you're living in, how valuable is that going to be to you? Clothes you're wearing today automobile you drive, the money you got in the bank, the land you own, how much is that going to be, how, how much is that going to be of value to you a hundred years from now? Won't be yours. You'll be in eternity. Somebody else will be enjoying the fruit of your labor, but you won't enjoy it. Listen again to what Jesus said. Seek first. Put a peg down right there. Let's just ask this question. Are you seeking first the kingdom of God? That is a yes or no question. Either you are or you're not. It's as simple as that. I can't make it any simpler. Now, there's a fourth thing I want to share with you. And that is, if we're going to have the kind of home that's going to be blessed by Almighty God. We have to be fearless in the world in which we live. I mentioned a moment ago what John said, 1 John chapter 5, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Some translations say the whole world lies in darkness. 
We're living in a darkened world of sin. The freedoms that we enjoy in this country, those freedoms are evaporating on a daily basis. And if you don't see it, you need to wake up. We are quickly losing our freedom of speech in this country. We are being censored time and again by quote-unquote media and corporations. We are living in a day and time wherein we are losing our freedom of religion. Does that bother you? So here's the key. You're going to have to make a decision right now as to whether or not you're going to fall in line with the people of God or you're going to allow the world to influence you. You've got to make that decision. And it's going to take a lot of faith and you're going to have to become fearless when you drive that stake in the ground and say, as Joshua did, in the midst of an ungodly world, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And that's it. And come what may, we're going to serve Him and Him alone. I know what people in this world think of the Bible. I know what people in this country think of the Bible. I know what people in Washington think of the Bible. And I can tell you what I think of the Bible. It is the inspired Word of the living God. And this is the book that's going to judge me one day. And if I want to be blessed in this life, then I'm going to live by the principles that are found right here in this book. Here's what Isaiah said centuries ago. Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. Hosea said, the ways of the Lord are right. God's Word is right. The world is wrong. The, wor the Word's right. You believe that? Do you remember in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John? They had been called on the carpet by the Sanhedrin council because they had healed a man at the gate of the temple in Jerusalem. They wanted to know by what power, what name have you done this notable deed? And they let it be known that they had done it by the power of the authority of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In the midst of that Jewish hierarchy, people that were trying to protect their turf, we're talking about Jews here, they have some 70, 71 members of a governing board, and they're trying to run roughshod over God's people. And here's what Peter and John said, Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now think about that for a minute. You just said to this governing board of people, this governing council, that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Tell me that's not throwing the gauntlet down. Tell me that's not drawing a line in the sand. They drew it. And the text says... They commanded them not to teach or preach in the name of Jesus any longer. And you know what they said? They said, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. That's what we need in homes today. The world may say, we have no use for God. We have no use for Christianity. We're not interested in the Word of God. But here's what we're going to say. We're going to have a spine. And we're going to stand up. We're not going to compromise. We're not going to concede truth. We're not going to make concessions, but rather we're going to say, we will serve the Lord come what may. We believe what Paul said is true. All Scripture, every Scripture is inspired of God and is profitable. Do you believe that? It's true, isn't it? Fifthly, and very quickly, we have to be faithful. 
when it's all said and done, it's on each of us individually, isn't it? Listen, if you would, to what the psalmist said. Back in Psalm 127, he said, Unless the Lord build the house, those who labor, labor in vain. In verse 4, he just talked about happy is the man who has his quiver full of children. In other words, children are a blessing to life, aren't they? And so he said, As arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children of one's youth. All right, here's the picture. You're a warrior. And you take that bow and arrow. And you take that bow and arrow. And you line that arrow up with a target. And you let go. And what happens? That arrow finds the intended target. As a parent, what we want more than anything else is to see our children in heaven, don't we? I mean, isn't that true? We want our children to go to heaven and we want to go to heaven. But we got to be faithful to get there. James said in James chapter 1, verse 12, Blessed is the man that endures temptation. Are there trials and temptations common to all of us? Yes. Look, life's tough. Sometimes life can literally rip your heart out. You can feel as if you've been beaten and kicked to the curb day after day after day. But what is it that the Lord wants us to do? He wants us to hang in there, to grit, to grind our way through, to be faithful until death. And so he said, Blessed is the man, blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he has been tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. I want to just say today, God wants you to be in heaven. I promise you He does. The Bible says God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants you to be in heaven. He wants your children to be in heaven. He wants your grandchildren to be in heaven. He wants all of us to be there. But in order to do that, we have to be people of faith. We have to be focused in this life. And we have to be faithful. Come what may doesn't mean we're not going to have struggles. doesn't mean we're going to, that we're not going to falter at times in life. doesn't mean that there are going to be disappointments along the way. might be the case that sometimes we're disappointed in our children and the choices of our children. But as a parent, as we watch those children grow and mature, we're trying to point them in the direction of heaven. Why? Because we love them. I'll tell you this. You want to talk about unconditional love? You'll never have a better understanding of unconditional love than the relationship that you enjoy with your children. Isn't that right? There's just something about that child. That child is a part of you. And you want that child to go to heaven. So here we are, a family unit. We're not perfect, but we're trying to do what we can. We're trying to do what's right in the eyes of God. When our children grow, mature, and as, though, as those baby birds are kicked out of the nest, have to fly so low, our children have to fly so low. We want to equip them so that one day they can stand on their own two legs and feet and they can live in such a way so that they'll be in heaven and we'll be in heaven. 
Pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your love, mercy, and grace. We thank you for every family represented here today. And Father, we're grateful for mothers and fathers, husbands and wives that to the best of their ability are building their homes on you. And Father, we pray for those who may face conflict within their own home. And Father, we pray for those who are trying to be a Christian example before possibly an unbelieving mate, unbelieving children. Help us all, Father, to live in such a way so that we might glorify you. We pray that we might so structure our lives so that one day we can spend eternity in heaven forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, if you haven't obeyed the gospel, listen, today is your opportunity to do what's right. Paul said today's the day of salvation. What would you need to do? Believe Jesus to be the Son of God. Confess His name before others. Repent of all your sins. Make the decision. You're not going to live for the world. You're going to live for God. Do what they did on Pentecost Day. Repent. Be baptized. You'll enjoy the forgiveness of sins, Acts 2.38. God will put you in the church, Acts 2.47. And the Bible tells us that the church is the home of the saved, Ephesians 5.23. If you're here today and for whatever reason your life's not what it ought to be, maybe your home life's not what it ought to be. Maybe it's not what you want it to be. You're trying. You're giving it your best. You're doing your best on a daily basis. Listen, we commend you for that. We're all human. No one's perfect. We're here to help, not hurt. If you need the prayers of the church, maybe to be restored, maybe because you're facing an uphill battle in life, whatever the case may be, we want to pray with you and for you. And the beauty of it is God will abundantly bless us and pardon us. 1 John 1, 9. Won't you come as we stand and sing? <clears throat>